It's time for JT the Brick. How we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? I'm not a journalist. I'm an opinionated sports talk host. We have a goal. We have ideas. We know exactly what we want to do here. Just win, baby. The Raiders' schedule is brutal. It's a second-place schedule that's front-loaded heavy and back-loaded heavy. The fans of the Raider Nation. Sound off like you got a pair. JT the Brick. I'm talking about the notorious ones, the out-of-control fans, the passionate fans. All of you fans are invited to be a part of the show. I'd like you to come in big and come in with a purpose. And that's it. Use the phone like a weapon. Enjoy everything we do. And please always feel welcome to call in and to tweet and to be a part of the show. Fair enough? And now, here's JT the Brick. And filling in for JT today, here's Harry Ruiz. Hour number two of the JT The Brick Show here on Wednesday, September 28th, 2022. A day that I didn't think the Raiders would be winless in. I think at least they would have one or two victories. Three and no, it seemed like it was going to be tough. Two and one, that was my prediction. One and two, I would have been like, all right, you know what? It was a tough stretch of games, but at least they came out with a dub. But instead... The Raiders are 0-3 right now, and they're in a bad spot. The only team that has lost each game of the regular season so far in the NFL. Of course, the Texans, they're winless as well, but they got a tie in that first game of the season for them. So at least they have something like uh, that is not a zero that is all across the board for them in positive results. We need the Raiders to provide a good moment. For their fans, and not just a good moment, a good complete game for their fans this Sunday at Allegiant Stadium at the Death Star. And think about all the great sporting moments you've experienced in your life, whether it be your own, your kids, your home team, or just magical moments. Whatever they may be, they have been great memories that have been deeply rooted in your memories. Remy Martin, 1738 Cognac is all about celebrating, remembering, and sharing great moments. Remy Martin, sharing good moments. And damn, this past, not this past Sunday, two Sundays ago at Allegiant Stadium, I was out there at the tailgates and what, Lot J? J Lot, that's where it's at. And the Raider Nation showed out big time and they were ready. And you could see the excitement in the fans. And I hope that you guys still go out there and still go out, still party, and don't just, because of an 0-3 start, be like, all right, this season's over. Let's get out of here. No, there's a lot of season left to play. And I've followed this team for many years, especially in the last two decades. And I've seen this team get its ass whooped plenty of times. And I'm talking about, Four to five, I mean, blowouts. Heck, go to last season, the game against the Chiefs in Kansas City. That was not a competitive game. And guess what? That team made it to the playoffs. Those Raiders just left that in the past, took knowledge out of those games, learned the lessons that they needed, and they kept going forward. They had the Henry Rugg situation, the John Gruden situation. Everything that could have happened to this team pretty much happened to it. And they still were able to close strong. And now the thing is, a lot of those games towards the end, they were one possession games. 
They were with the sniper, Daniel Carlson, taking care of business at the end of the game to switch a one-to-two-point deficit to a lead to the Raiders to end up winning the game for the Silver and Black. And right now, those one-possession games, they haven't been going the Raiders' way. But the Raiders against the Chargers and against the Cardinals, they had the ball towards the end of the game with the possibility to take the lead. They didn't deliver. Turnovers cost them the games. Against the Cardinals, sorry, against the Titans, they had the ball towards the end of the game with the possibility of tying the game and extending an opportunity to keep going forward and fighting for a win. Two-point conversion, they didn't deliver. We know onside kicks, the possibility of a team recovering one are very, very minimal. And, of course, they didn't get the onside kick. So the Titans ended up winning that game by two points. But the three losses for the Raiders have been by a combined, what, 13 points? There's a reason why the casinos still have the Raiders as favorites right now against the Broncos. Because the team, of course, there's money going towards the Raiders, but this team hasn't been like that version of the teams that I saw the Raiders get their ass whooped at the Coliseum plenty of times. No, this team has talent. This team has the players. This team has the coaching staff. A lot of people just look at the 0-3, but don't look at the whole story of the games. They've played pretty much a good second half against the Chargers, a good first half against the Cardinals, a good second half against the Titans. Now can you imagine, of course, a full game would be the dream come true, right? The team from the first drive to the last drive play a perfect game. That's never going to happen. But if you can play three quarters in a great level, if you can extend just a one half to one in, to three quarters to two and a half quarters of great play, and you put yourself in a better position, and the Raiders, I think they're going to keep evolving. Remember, this is the first year of the new regime with Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler. It's not a finished product. It's far from it. And this team has been close. I still give them the benefit of the doubt of being like, all right, you guys still got some players from the previous uh, John Gruden and Mike Mayock regime with the Raiders. You still are going to keep bringing your guys in as time goes on. And then when it's your team, then all the chips have to be falling into the all-in pot and being like, all right, we need to not only make it to the playoffs, we need to win games in the playoffs. We need to be contenders for the postseason. And Bobby, you were here during the offseason when I was saying, I was like, look, year one, I think is a year that the Raiders can make some noise, but I still wouldn't put them in that category of a top five contender like other teams. And there were callers that were pissed off at me. They're like, how the heck would you say that? The Raiders, they got, we got Devontae Adams. We got Chandler Jones. We got this. We got that. I'm like, guys, it's very difficult for a team in year one of a new coaching staff, of a new front office, to just run away with the league. And I'm talking about football. I'm talking about baseball. I'm talking about basketball. It's tough for things to happen that fast. And you guys were mad at me. And I was like, hey, that's what I think. And I'm getting paid here to talk what's in my mind. And that's what, it, what was in my mind back then. That's what it's, what's in my mind right now. But in my mind also right now is, yes, the Raiders are 0-3, but the Raiders don't suck. 
The Raiders, they've been competitive. They've been in the games. And I like that. Now, what do I like more than that? Wins. And those wins, they got to start coming soon, and they got to start piling up. The motivation factor of being able to defeat a Broncos team that they have a stud defense. They're great defensively, but their offense has been very suspect. And, yeah, they got Russell Wilson, who's a great player. They got Nathaniel Hackett, who used to work with the Packers and did his thing over there, but it's his first time as a head coach. He's still finding the ways to be like, all right, let me not screw myself over like Brandon Staley did last year with the Chargers. Find ways not to lose, and that's what they've done. They they did it on week one. They let it go against the Seahawks, but since then, they're 2-0. They're one way – what? no, heck, they're tied for the division lead with the Kansas City Chiefs. Chargers are one game behind them, and the Raiders are only two games behind them. So the chips are falling the Raiders' way. But now what they need to do is take care of their own business. Take care of what they got to do. Looking at the stats for the Denver Broncos, their defense, wow. Total defense number three, 251.3 yards per game. Rush defense number six, 81.3. Pass defense number three, 170 yards per game. Points per game, second best in the NFL, averaging just 12 points against per game in the first three games. Third down defense, third in the league. Fourth down defense, tied for fifth. Red zone defense, first in the league. They've only allowed 25% of the opposing team's red zone's drives to end in touchdowns. That's what a top 10 defense looks like. No, that's what a top five defense looks like. The Raiders... That's what I said at the beginning of the year. Right now, what you got to think of is middle-of-the-pack defense. And then you can think about going into the top 10. But the defense, they've had good moments, but they haven't been able to have good, complete games so far in this 2022 season. Someone that has had like a complete great game with his Raider coverage this is my man Beast, Ryan Sakamoto, joining me right now here on the line on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Beast, how are you, my man? Great, man. Thank you for having me on, man. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. Of course, brother. So you were out there at practice today. No Hunter Renfro, no Nate Hobbs. How much would those two absences hurt the Raiders if they can't recover and uh, go past that concussion protocol by the end of the week? It's huge. I mean, when you look at the team that they're playing within the division, obviously these teams know each other, and Josh McDaniels, Coach McDaniels, excuse me, talked about it, you know, how divisional games are basically uh, worth two points, right, as opposed to one point if it's an interconference game or whatnot. So it, it's huge because from a flexibility standpoint, I asked Coach about this. I said, you know, Hunter Renfro, what kind of flexibility does this, you know, does he give you? And and so they talk about, you know, well, he does these different things. But he really, what Hunter Emperor does, is he opens up the playbook, right? And so he, when you have a guy that lines up in the slot, then you also have to respect what Darren Waller does. They kind of complement each other down the scenes because Hunter Renfro does a lot of the dirty work underneath, which opens things up outside. So now when you don't have that security blanket or that target, that go-to card target that you can go to under Coach McDaniel's system, you kind of have to scale back and kind of, not diminish the playbook, but I would just say kind of change up the playbook in a way where it's going to be simplified to where, okay, well, we don't have Hunter Renfro, so how can we have a plan B option? And on the flip side of that, 
Nate Hobbs playing at a Pro Bowl level in my grading system. I mean, this guy is good in run, as a run defender, but it's also good in coverage. And to see him just kind of go through that concussion protocol is going to be really huge for him. Uh, you know, it's going to be hard to come back from it. That was a huge hit that he put on Derrick Henry, but at the end of the day, it's going to be one of those things where it's a day-by-day basis with him. Of course. We're talking with Beast Ryan Sakamoto here on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Follow him at Beast Rider on Twitter, on Instagram, and also his YouTube channel where he has streams pretty much every day and does a fantastic job there. Beast, so the Raiders right now, they're the only 0-3 team in the NFL. You scout, you watch a video of every single team in the NFL. Are the Raiders... Is that 0-3? Is that winning percentage of .000 reflect what you have seen on the field? No, absolutely not. And I think you have to really look at it from the top down. I mean, we can look on the product on the field and say, hey, look, you know, blame the coaches. It's not the coach's fault. You know, everybody plays a role. And what I like about this coaching staff, what I like about GM Dave Ziegler and everything from the top down is they're they're holding themselves accountable. We talked about it throughout the preseason, how – you know, the rare way, you know, fostering the right away. What what exactly does that embody, right? And so we have to take a look back and look at look at yourselves in the mirror and be like, hey, look, okay, this is what the right away is all about. Being tough, physical, hard nosed, smart, an unquestioned work ethic and all those things in between, right? So when you when you put all that together, is this team as bad as their record indicates? No, because if you look at how these games are being lost, it's a lot of it's self inflicted, right? A lot of these things are self inflicted wounds. You can't have Red zone inefficiency, right? You have to be efficient in the red zone. Coach talked about the four-point play, how you can't get field goals. You have to touchdowns. And so anytime that you do that, you're going to be putting yourself behind the eight ball. So a lot of these things are self-inflicted because they are winning between the 20s on both sides of the football. But unfortunately, the ball rolls one way or the other. And again, when you look at other teams around the league, like let's say for Jacksonville Jaguars, can you honestly say the Jacksonville Jaguars are a three, you know, a one or three and team moving forward? How many games are they going to win within the next uh, six, seven games? Obviously, they're a lot better. But then, you know, you look at a team like, let's say, the Cleveland Browns, right? Like, we can talk about all these different teams that aren't necessarily reflective of their first three games because, again, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And so I think what Raider Nation needs to understand is it's three games, yes. But all is not lost. I mean, that's why you play the game for full 60 minutes, because at any given Sunday, anything can happen. So to get back to your question, no, the Raiders are not as bad as people make it out to seem. Now, there are problems with the offensive line. There are problems in the secondary with the cornerback position. But at the end of the day, are they as bad as an 0-3 team? No, this team can easily be 3-0. and And so I, I have still have faith with the Raider Nation. And it all starts at the top of GM Dave Ziegler and Dr. McDonald's. Beast, so the Raiders so far this season, they've had 19 plays in goal-to-go situations. Inside the 10, 15 passes, 4 rushes. What do you think this is due to? Because they don't trust their offensive line to run the ball that much inside the 10? Or just because their weapons the on pass-catching ability, they're better? That's a great question, and it goes down, again, to watching game film, right? So if you're stacking the box and you're playing with a heavy box, and again, you guys got to remember, or anyone has to remember, as you get close to the goal line, you only have so much real estate to operate from, right? And so that's why if you're inside the 5 or inside the 10-yard line, there's less real estate to work with on the back end. So everything's condensed. So when you see a stack box, and getting to your point, the offensive line is one of the, one of the opportunities that, well, hey, look, can we run it up the gut or 
up to A and B gaps against a strong Tennessee Titans front. No, you can't. You probably won't be able to win that battle. Even if you had a strong offensive line, it'd still be a tough battle to win. And so I think when you look at strength versus strength or strength versus weakness, you look at what you have. You have Darren Waller, you have, well, you had Hunter Rento, but you have Devontae Adams and you have Matt Collins, right? And so you have people on the outside who can kind of win their games and win their battles one-on-one. So when you look at the cover shells that are being dictated to Derek Carr from pre-snap to post-snap play, a lot of times it's, it's the right read. It's just not happening. It's just not clicking. And so I don't put too much emphasis on, well, you're, you should be running inside the five-yard line or you should be running inside the 10-yard line. Because let's face it, if you're playing a cover three or a cover one, why would you want to run against the stacked box already when your offensive line is already put at a disadvantage in winning their one-on-one battle? So, again, football one-on-one with Charles, you know, you read the defense, you make the plays based on what the defense gives you, and you take what the defense gives you. So, again, even though you have an unbalanced mix between run and pass doesn't necessarily mean the reason why they're struggling is because of that scenario or that ratio. I just don't, I just don't buy into it. B. So Dan Orlovsky, he became a big topic of conversation with his segment on NFL Live where he stated that he's seeing that Derek Carr is pretty much ignoring Devontae Adams. What do you make out of that? I disagree with that 100%. You look at the target shares, you look at exactly what's going on throughout on a snap-by-snap basis, he is looking at Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams and Derek Carr know each other. Again, dating back, this is a storyline, right? Dating back to the Fresno days and, and so forth. So I just think, you know, this is my opinion, right? You know, but if, if, if I was to go ahead and say he's ignoring Devontae Adams purposely or whatever the case may be, maybe not purposely, but ignoring him, I would say that's, that's not true. I think what Derek Carr was seeing is, you know, you go through your progression, right? You have a, a read, create a post now, you make the proper reads based on those progressions. Now, the, in hindsight, we can all look and look at the game film, like, oh, yeah, well, Devontae Adams was open on this play. He, he, he ignored him. Like, but, again, we're looking at it in hindsight and not real time. And you've got to remember, a lot, of t- a lot of teams do false rotation and they hold rotation. So if you think it's a cover two, Maybe it rolls back into a cover three. If you're playing a cover two, tap a cover two, and you see that boundary cornerback be the deep half safety, and then you see the curl flat defender taking on and rotating over to play the flats in that tempo cover two, well, then it's the different disguise defense, and then now the rules of engagement change from pre to post snap. So, again, it's not as easy as simple as looking at a play and be like, oh, well, that's, he's not finding Devontae Adams. That's his fault. It's like, no, nah, man, like, you have to look at it. And, and, and there are some plays credit, you know, there are some plays that, yeah, Derek Carr maybe could have found Devontae Adams, but I wouldn't say he's blatantly ignoring him. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. Yeah, and I would just point to the stat of which players have the most targets this season. They're tied for first place, Stephon Diggs, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase with 35. Who's right behind him? Devontae Adams with 34 <laughs> targets. How are you going to tell me that he's not throwing the ball to that guy when he has the second most targets in all the NFL? And here's another thing. Down inside the red zone, we talked about it, right? And, again, I watched game film. A lot of times when Devontae Adams is lined up one-on-one outside, right, and, again, real estate's hard to work with, Derek Carr will do a check to me, meaning he will throw that lob to Devontae Adams one-on-one. And we see it with a lot of quarterback-wide receiver combinations. Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen do it, and a few others. But, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers did it with Devontae Adams in Green Bay. But 
you know, when you say that and when you do that, that you can't say that he's not being targeted, like you said. And again, it goes down to, here's another example down inside the red zone off the top of my head now that we're talking. You know, you see a two-by-one set formation, or, or I think it was a two-by-two-by-two set formation where you see Devontae Adams uh, being used on a rub route, and then he scores an easy touchdown. I think it was a three-yard three-yard, um, three-yard rub route, or whatever the case may be. But he went, he went in and made him end zone. So to say that Devontae Adams is not being a focal point of the offense, especially down in the red zone, that, I, I, just don't, I just don't see that. I think he is a big part of the reason why the team is having success between the What's up with the Broncos, Beast? Tell me your analysis about them, because offensively they've been struggling, but defensively that's a top-five unit in the NFL. Yeah, man, the Denver Broncos always play the Raiders tough, but just in general, right? So they bring in a guy who I covered with the San Francisco Florida Ass by the name of D.J. Jones. This guy was the team's best run defender. Uh, Second-best run defender when DeForest Buckner was there during that Super Bowl champion year when DeForest Buckner left and uh, was traded to the Colts. Rolling DJ Jones. DJ Jones really stepped it up. People talk about Eric Armstead. It's really DJ Jones in the middle and the heart of the defense that really picked up the slack, number 93. So watch for DJ Jones. He's going to be one of those underrated players. And usually from a, from a guy who's not scheme dependent, but scheme diverse and can play a one gap or a two gap scheme, whether it be a three technique or one technique or a zero, this guy really gets it from the top down. And then on the flip side of that, Patrick Chan, who I covered at Alabama, um, he really is the most fundamentally sound cornerback to come out in a very, very long time. And so I saw that when he was at Alabama. Obviously, his dad's a legacy, playing for the Miami Dolphins. But this guy is, in my grading system, graded every single snap last year. Uh, he graded as the second-best cornerback. Graded, not saying he is the second-best cornerback, but he graded out in my system as the second-best cornerback. And he's a guy that you really have to key on because he's not going to give you too much or too little. He will bait the quarterback into thinking it's something when it's not. And he's very smart and savvy, and is a sure tackler in open space. So, again, when you look at what Coach McDaniels was looking for for a boundary cornerback, right, you just point to Pat Sertan and, and, and Nate Hobbs and guys like these who can really get it done. And, again, you don't have to kind of tell them or babysit them or roll coverage their way because they can basically sit them on an island and they can do the work on the backside. So they lose Justin Simmons for free safety. That, that was a huge blow to them. But then, again, they still have Kareem Jackson there. They still have pieces in place up front. So getting back to it, the Denver Broncos are a team to me that although offensively they may be struggling, defensively, like you said, man, they're 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 no laughing stuff no no laughing stuff, man. They're gonna be one of those teams that really is the reason why they're gonna be in it late in the fourth quarter. And you go over to that offense. Russell Wilson, he's the man in control right there, mm. but they're thirty first in the league in points per game. What's missing with this uh, Denver Broncos offensive side of the ball? You know, I was watching some film, right? And you look at it. I, I think they need to feed Javante Williams more, right? I think Javante Williams is a guy, and I talked about it with Coach Graham uh, yesterday. I said, you know, what does Javante Williams bring to the table? Here's another guy I covered. Uh, you know, he split reps with Michael Carter coming out of North Carolina. This guy's just a pinball. I think they need to feed Javante Williams. He's a I'll be honest with you, in my estimation, he could be a top 10 running back in the NFL. And if you just feed that guy, he's a beast in his own right. He can break tackles between the, tra- uh, between the, twi- or between the 20s. Uh, he can also uh, bounce it outside. So there's a lot of different things that you can do with Javante Williams. He's very powerful and strong, even for he may not be the tallest guy. He's not like a Derrick Henry type, but he definitely brings a wall of uh, down inside the trenches. And so... I think Javante Williams is a big reason why they're not having success because they need to feed him the, feed him the ball. And, yes, they have Melvin Gordon in the short-yarded situation down in the goal line, but 
again, let's face it, man. Devontae Williams is the future. Melvin Gordon may be the present. And I know you need a two-headed back uh, more times than not, but Devontae Williams, to me, holds the keys for that offense moving forward. If you look at what Russell Wilson did with the Seattle Seahawks, he had Marshawn Lynch. He had these running backs to where he can kind of he can kind of play along with, right? And then you also had DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Doug Baldwin. But you look at what the Seahawks like to do. They like to close their will down in the trenches, and then that opens up the play-action pass. That's where Russell Wilson's out at his best because he can do these play-action rollouts. He can throw a lot of these dinky dunk passes that end up being big chunks of yardage because you have to respect the deep speed. So that would be Cortland Sutton on the outside because he can take away that free safety. And then Jerry Judy can then work the underneath just like kind of Renfro can. So it opens up a lot of different things. But again, if you don't establish the running game and don't have some continuity up front with that running game, it's all for naught, especially when you have a quarterback like Russell Wilson who does so many different things and off the play action pass. We're talking with Ryan Sakamoto, better known as Beast. Follow him at Beast Rider, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. So, Beast, this is my question. How do you avoid, as the Raiders, to, for a third straight game uh, in a third game in a row, avoid a team that struggled offensively in their previous games to then have success against you? Because it happens with the Cardinals. It happened with the Broncos, who came into their games against the Raiders struggling offensively, but then they look good against the Raiders. How do you avoid the Broncos' offense from doing that against you? That's a great question. I think it all starts up front, right, with that pass rush. I think games are won down in the trenches. How Andrew Billings, how Bilal Nichols, how those guys create pressure up front is really going to help out. And I know people are talking about Chandler Jones not getting his, and yes, he may have struggled here and there, but it doesn't fall on one player. And I know he got that big money contract, but again, I think it's a defense up front seven up front with the Divine Diablo. You, you know, you have guys that are coming together like Jalen Brown, right? These guys are fast. They play fast. And so if these guys can really set the tone and make the offense one-dimensional, then the Denver Broncos have no choice but to air it out. And that plays in the Raiders' favor because Coach Graham likes to disguise coverage pre to post snap. It's not as easy as seeing a cover three shell and knowing to cover three and knowing how to attack that defense. So you can kind of see, based on what coaches are doing and defensive coordinators are doing around the league, to kind of confuse Russell Wilson. And I think it's, it's, it's easier said than not because this guy's a seasoned veteran, future Hall of Famer, yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, if you can create pressure on Russell Wilson, like maybe bring in – Nickelback, Amik Robertson, right? He'll probably get the starting nod if Hobbs or um, Rocky Asin are unable to go. If you can kind of disguise him how Mike Filson is being used with the Cincinnati Bengals, how Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is being used with the Philadelphia Eagles, right? You want to use these guys in a way to where you're playing chess, not checkers. And so how do you do that? You need to have the missing pieces in place in order to put that player in the best position to make plays. For me, the X factor is Amik Robertson. I think he could be a very full formal force in, as an extra boss run defender, but can also cover and be that slot guy. So I think that's one of the guys that really is going to be keyed on. And again, from there, that plays in their favor because if you make offenses one-dimensional, then they have no choice and then get them out of rhythm. And then from there, it's, it's a four-quarter ball game where you know it's going to be tight uh, down in the AFC West. There you go. Beast at Beast Rider on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube. When's your next stream, Beast, for folks to tune in live? Everyone's asking, oh, not everyone, but my followers are asking. I, I, I did miss one yesterday, so I was probably doing pick six after practice is over, or practice is over right now, but after player and coaches' interviews are all wrapped up, I'm going to go home, do a pick six live stream, and talk about everything that we discussed. Also, give you a shout out, as I do always, and then also talk about, you know, the Denver Broncos matchup and what to expect and how the Raider Nation 
should have the faith, man, that they can actually pull out this victory. Absolutely. Follow him at Beast Rider Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube. Turn on the notifications once you subscribe to his channel. That way, whenever he's streaming live, you can check him out. Beast, thank you so much, my man. Thank you so much, Freddie. I'll talk to you soon, all right? Absolutely. I'll see you there at practice tomorrow. Raider Nation, remember, the botanist gin is hands down my favorite gin, and it's the number one fastest growing brand. It's as simple as a gin and tonic with the botanist and fever tree tonic or a brunch cocktail called Georgia Peach with the botanist peach snaps and fresh OJ. But if you really want to step up and impress, then make a French 75, the botanist, lemon juice, simple syrup, and chilled champagne. Step up your cocktail game with the botanist gin. To the JT The Brick Show with today's guest host, Harry Ruiz. I, I'm not sure. You, have, you, I mean, again, you talked to them and they said that. I, I think that's just a, a good thing to think about just in this league in general. Just, you know, you have 17 opportunities every year right now. And each week is different, you know, and then you take that down to a smaller scale in terms of each play is different and just moving on from the next play. You know, I think that's an important philosophy just to think about this game in general. And, you know, but I can't speak for those guys, but I, I think it's a smart approach. One play at a time. That's what Patrick Graham was talking about. The one play season that Devontae Adams spoke about last week with just everybody has to do their job at their best, the best of their abilities at every single snap that they get to be on the field for. Matt Collins is the perfect example of it. That dude had his best game ever as a professional on Sunday afternoon in Nashville, Tennessee. Career high in catches, career high in reception yards, and tied his career high with touchdown receptions. And he still made plays on special teams because every single snap counts. And that's what the Raiders need to understand. The first snap of the game is as important as the last snap of the game. If you take the first half off, you're making your life a living hell in the second half to try to complete a comeback. If you do a great first half and then just chill on the second half, then you're going to put yourself in a difficult position with your opponent taking every single snap seriously to try to catch you, and then they catch you and surpass you. That's why this team is 0-3 right now, and they need to pay attention to every single detail. And what I want to see on Sunday is a sense of urgency. I want to see that hunger to just run the ball down the opponent's throat of making a play and catching the ball and running north to south, not east to west, of trying to make too much out of it. No, you already got it. You advanced with something. Okay, you got those yards. Try to get more going south to north or north to south. My man, I mean, come on, guys. Make the most out of every single play. And Chandler Jones, we know so far his stats – haven't looked great. 
and some fans are starting to get desperate with what they're seeing from number 55, who's one of the best players in the league since he got drafted by the New England Patriots. The problem is your past doesn't, it doesn't matter if your present isn't matching up to what we have seen. And while we were talking with Sick Fricasi from SiriusXM in the first hour of our show, I looked into Chandler Jones' stats from last year and this year, excluding that game from week one against Tennessee last season for the Cardinals, where he had a grand total of five sacks. Since then, Chandler Jones, 17 games, five and a half sacks, nine tackles for loss. Yes, 24 quarterback hits looks nice, four first fumbles, and one fumble recovery. But we need Chandler Jones to make an impact on this team. And he's doing it in the locker room. He's a great leader of men in the locker room. But at the end of the day, what matters the most is what you can do on the gridiron. And defensive coordinator Patrick Graham, he was asked about Chandler Jones and how it has been for him these first three games. And we're going to hear from Patrick Graham here in a second about Chandler Jones. Again, each year is different. And, you know, again, when you watch the tape and see where people are having their production and just, again, everybody's looking for the statistics and stuff like that. The impact, one, you know, off the field. Two, the attention they bring that allows other people to play more freely. Again, it's a long season, and I know this. Chandler works hard, and we'll see how – again, I know the only thing Chandler's worried about, just ha- knowing him for a long time, is about wins. So regardless of what the production was or it, it, what it could have been, Chandler cares about winning, just like the people here at this, in this building. We care about winning. So that's the number one thing. And, you know, once we start winning, that's, that's, that's what we'll be happy there. That's what everybody cares about, getting to W's. Problem is, Raiders don't have any so far. So that's why everybody's starting to, from the outside looking in, starting to point fingers and being like, all right, why aren't you throwing the ball to Devontae Adams in the second half? It happened against the Cardinals. And I'm not saying not at all, but not as constantly as you did in the first half. Or why isn't Chandler Jones getting to the quarterback as often as he used to with other teams? And those are valid points in Raider Nation. I want to hear from you. 702-365-9200. Is it just the frustration of the moment, the anger of not being able to have a win so far in the 2022 season? Or do you think this is something that can keep going on for the Raiders in the 2022 campaign? Me personally, I just think they need to get that first win, get it out of their system, and then they can get the ball rolling and being like, okay, we can win. We know we can because we did. And so far, they haven't. Shout out to Fabian on Twitter. Shout out to Cisco from the Black Hole who's listening to the show. He let me know. He shot me a text. And shout out to everybody in the Raider Nation listening to today's JT The Brick Show. Which, by the way, remember, JT, he's going to be at Resorts World this Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. Join him for his live podcast there live recording of his podcast and also join us 
all season for Monday Night Football at Doghouse Saloon inside Resorts World Las Vegas on the Vegas Strip. There's not a bad seat in the Doghouse to watch the game. Plus, there's a sports book on site to place your bets. Enjoy incredible food and drink specials followed by an amazing after party with live entertainment and dueling pianos. Doghouse Saloon at Resorts World Las Vegas, our official home for Monday night football. And also, be sure to download the Resorts World Las Vegas sports betting app to place your bets anywhere in Las Vegas, including at the stadium. If you're in Nevada, anywhere, you can place bets of live games as they're happening and Resorts World, they got an amazing Resorts World Las Vegas sports betting app. So check that out today, Raider Nation. So this Denver's Broncos team, they're a threat right now defensively. They're a team that has been that way for, that's been their identity for plenty of years. And we go back to the last two seasons where the Raiders have swept them and in 2020, they were able to put 30-plus points against them in both games. 37-12 win, 32-31 win. Then in 2021, they were tighter games. 34-24 win for the Raiders in Denver, 17-13 in Las Vegas. That one was definitely a closer game. So the Denver Broncos haven't defeated the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders, since moving to Vegas, they're 4-0 against the Denver Broncos, and they need to keep that undefeated mark against this divisional opponent, and they need to do it bad because you go down 0-4 and to go visit the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday Night Football with how Arrowhead Stadium is going to be rocking for their Chiefs, that's going to be a very tough situation, and it's realistic. If the Raiders lose against the Broncos – there's a very good chance they go 0-5 to that bye week. And that can't happen. I need the Raiders to be motivated as much as possible going into that Monday night football matchup against the reigning, defending AFC West champions, Kansas City Chiefs. They need it, and they need it bad. Phone lines. We got somebody on the phone. We got Gangsta Raider. Gangsta, good afternoon. Man, it ain't no good afternoon. It's a bad afternoon. We're tired of these Raiders, especially Chandler Jones and McDaniel. They're smiling and cheesing after the games, like acting like we won. That's why um, I'm glad um, Mark Davis snatched um, McDaniel into that room and gave him a piece of his mind because he looked like he wanted to cry on that podium instead of him laughing and smiling like he always do after we lose every other game. And we deserve, we deserve better as a Raider Nation, you know what I'm saying, because we show up for them. Just like the last two times I showed up for them this year so far, they didn't do nothing. We showed up for them last year so far, they didn't do nothing. You know what I'm saying? We deserve better. You know what I mean? Like, I started to go to the Arizona Cardinal game, but I sold my tickets because I'm like, they ain't going to show up for us. I'm tired of the Raider Nation showing up for them, and we we spending our money while they making millions on the field, and they not showing up for us. You know what I'm saying? Chandler Jones, he ain't did nothing since he got here. He always smiling and laughing in the Prince coffers. Tell him to wipe that smile off his face and put some bass in his voice. He a Raider now. He's trying to act like a Raider and play like a Raider. And to the Raider Nation, until the team starts showing up for us, I say we stop showing up for them. Make them come play in the um, empty stadium like they did in 2020 until they start playing like they some Raiders and they want to be Raiders. And Josh McDaniels, he's a clown and a um, weasel like I thought he was. You know what I'm saying? 
And I'm, I'm, I'm not happy at all. And I say the Raider Nation, until they start showing up for them, let's start, until they start showing up for us, let's stop showing up for them. Keep it gangster, y'all. I'm gone. Gangster Raider bringing the passion here to Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on the JT The Brick Show today, Wednesday, September 28, 2022. Definitely there's – and he's got – a legit point on saying all the stuff he said because he's disappointed. He spent his hard-earned money to go watch the Raiders, and they haven't been able to get that win yet. And the Raiders, they're always going to have fans in the stands. The Raider Nation is loyal. The Raider Nation has never abandoned their team. Thing is, the next generations, they're starting to watch football with Patrick Mahomes balling, with Josh Allen balling, and it's going to be hard for their parents to be like, here, follow the team because we won three Super Bowls 40 years ago. No, you need to win. You need to win now. And that's why Mark Davis, he's got this plan to make the team bring them back to the glory days and bring them back. And his plan is with Josh McDaniels at the helm, with Dave Ziegler as the general manager. And in my opinion, it's not a big deal that they had that meeting after the game. That shows you that Mark Davis is committed to this team. And that's what you want to see. The owner always being there, but doing it behind closed doors. I don't want a Jerry Jones talking to the media after every single game before his coach even talks and giving his assessment on injuries and saying my player's going to be out and he's going to have surgeries. Like, dude, let your to- coaching staff do that. You, you want to talk with them? Do it behind closed doors. And, of course, it became public through reports from the media that that meeting happened after the game. And also, there's another report today, Aaron Wilson. Uh, he's going to be on the air with Q, uh, an unnecessary roughness from 2 to 5, about a players meeting as well. And I love that. That shows you that they're not just going through the motions of, all right, that's week three, let's go to week four, and there's 14 games left. No, they care. They know that this team has the potential to do more. Now you got to become make that potential become reality. So let's see what happens with the Raiders this Sunday at Allegiant Stadium here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Raiders versus Broncos. A divisional game, like B said, these are pretty much, they count double in the standings. Raider Nation, sound off. You got a couple of more minutes left before we finish today's show here on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM ahead of Unnecessary Roughness from 2 to 5 with Q Myers and Damon Cotton. I'm Harry Ruiz. We're about to go to a break. You got your final chance to call in right after it. 702-365-9200. To the JT The Brick Show with today's guest host, Harry Ruiz. And Hill's out of the gun. He's got Hilliard to his right. There's the snap. Looking left. Fires over the middle. Behind the receiver and dropped. He had him. Westbrook Akine had a step on the inside at the 25, but Tannehill's arm was hit. 
It was thrown behind him. He still almost brought it in, but it's a turnover on downs, and the Raiders will take over on their own 45. The defense generated that turnover on downs, plus the interception from Deron Harmon in the second half, and the Raiders' offense wasn't able to score on either of those opportunities. The Raiders, they got to take care of business. When you talk about stealing the ball from your opponent and then getting points. If not, then the turnover pretty much didn't exist. So the Raiders defense took care of business in the second half, but we can't ignore that in that first half, they had a terrible beginning of the game, allowing touchdowns in the three first offensive series for the Tennessee Titans is unacceptable. They need to be better. And look, the last two years, it was all fun and games against the Denver Broncos going 4-0 against them. But three of those games were against Drew Locke. The other one was against Teddy Bridgewater. And now you're going to Russell Wilson, who, yes, he still hasn't been able to adapt to that offensive system with Nathaniel Hackett in the best of ways. But he's got two wins already with the Denver Broncos. And that's what Josh McDaniels also said. We got to learn but we also got to win while we learn. And the Raiders, they got this opportunity on Sunday. I want Allegiant Stadium rocking from beginning to end. Gangsta Raider, he wants to abandon the team if the team doesn't play for them. I say, if you're at the stadium, you got to be loud, you got to be proud, you got to do your job as a fan supporting the team and give them that 12th man extra on the field and just be... Be the Raider Nation. Be what you are. Be that passionate fan base. Be that family that's always there for each other. Before saying goodbye, I just want to remind you, on Friday, I will be live from 12 to 2 at Buffalo Wild Wings at the Miracle Mile Shops in Las Vegas on the Las Vegas Strip. La Nacion on Deportes Vegas, 1460 AM is going to be live from noon to 2. I'll be hosting the show. And then from 2 to 5, there at the same spot, Q Myers will be hosting Unnecessary Roughness. We're taking the show on the road, and we want you to be a part of it. Stop by, get a beer, get some wings, have a good time. Raider Nation Radio, Deportes Vegas, 1460 AM. We will be there with you, Raider Nation. Hopefully, next week, we'll be talking about a win instead of talking about a defeat from the Raiders. I'm Harry Ruiz, Raider Nation. Have a fantastic week. And hopefully it closes out with a smile on your face with a divisional win for the Raiders. Have a fantastic week. JT's back tomorrow.